0: Currency Press is Australia's oldest, independently-owned performing arts publisher. We've been sharing Australian stories since 1971, and with those stories we've also shared insights, ideas and critiques. We think of them as stories about stories, the stories behind stories, stories that prepare us for the journey we're about to undertake. Today, Louis Nowra is going to read his introduction to Cosi, which was first performed in 1992 at the Belvoir Street Theatre in Sydney. It's called Trial by Madman, and we think you will find that, once again, truth is stranger than fiction. What separates this convergence between truth and fiction from all the others is that Louis has crafted his strange, hilarious and poignant experiences into a magnificent piece of work. And if you thought you knew everything there was to know about one of the country's most beloved plays, think again. Here's Louis reading Trial by Madman, which he wrote the year after the play's premiere.
1: Written at probably one of the most intensely difficult periods of my life, Cosy is one of my most light-hearted plays. Each morning, when I climbed the ladder to my South Melbourne attic, I'd never felt keener on entering the world of one of my plays. Like some of the aliens, Cosy is partly autobiographical. Both centre on a character called Lewis. There, but for a vowel, could be me. Some of the aliens was Lewis at 14, Cosy is Lewis at 21. I suppose I chose those years because they were the turning points of my understanding of people. Contrary to the opinions of psychiatrists, it is always events and experiences after your youth that determine the way you view the world. And so it was with my experiences that are part of COSI. Both my grandmothers ended up in mental institutions. On my mother's side, grandmother undoubtedly was suffering from a form of senility. Having always prided herself on her mental abilities, she could recite and order all the kings and queens of england she found herself falling into the darkness of mental illness when i visited her in the mont Park asylum she seemed to me to be the same person but more discursive and mentally unfocused there's a current theory that far from being like a computer the brain resembles a jungle if this is so then grandmother's brain became an impenetrable jungle swallowing up any explorer who dared to enter on my father's side My grandmother deliberately chose madness as a way of dealing with the fact that her 70-year-old husband had run off with a 30-year-old barmaid. When I visited her in Mont Park, years after my other grandmother was in there, she lived permanently in the year 1948. As far as she was concerned, I didn't exist, because I hadn't been born yet, and to complicate matters, she thought I was my father. When she'd asked if I were to marry my mother, not only could I give her the date, but I could tell her how many children I would have and so on. Some people would say that in having to pretend I was my father about to marry my mother, I was taking part in a Freudian nightmare. I prefer to see it as my having fallen like Alice in Wonderland down a hole to end up in topsy-turvy land. So unlike Lewis and Cozzy, I had experience of mental institutions. It is so difficult to rediscover my motives for involving myself with mental patients. I suspect that the madness of my grandmothers gave me an intense interest in the subject. Madness both frightened and attracted me. This was 1971, in the era of A.D. Lang, a Scottish psychiatrist whose view of madness was oddly reassuring in a decade going crazy. One of his ideas was that labelling people mad was to stigmatise them, and that many mentally ill people should be allowed to go totally mad. Once at rock bottom, they would again find their true selves. This idea of true and false selves is such a philosophical, let alone a psychological flim-flam, It is not surprising that someone like myself at 21 was attracted to it. I even approached the Mental Health Authority and proposed that I write a history of asylums in Victoria. Not having the intellectual rigour to do this, I decided to work with mental patients. This was also the era when chemicals began to control many of the wilder excesses of madmen and saw the first influx of social workers, who, like grass spurs, were attaching themselves onto our social fabric. One social worker asked a friend of myself if we wanted to do theatre with mental patients. To quote, to bring them out of their selves. I suspect he meant shells. Having the confidence and certainty of youth, I thought theatre would be therapeutic. One of the connections I feel with Lewis now is my first day in rehearsals. Instead of feeling cocky, I felt a great terror. Facing so many faces, some earnest, shy, irritated, I suddenly realised I was responsible for these people. I wanted them to come out of their shells. But at the time, feared what would happen. So, who was I then? And how much was I like Lewis? I was a person who was very much removed from what was around me. Working with mental patients seemed to me to be something to believe in. Something far removed from the political rhetoric of the anti-Vietnam War protests of the late 1960s. Every day... I would turn up at the Mont Park Hall to rehearse Trial by Jury. I hated Gilman Sullivan, but one of the patients wanted to do it. Some patients agreed with me and demanded more singable songs, so we incorporated Beatles and Bee Gees songs into the show. As we rehearsed, I realised that, although I was working with the most approachable patients, many were quite simply mad. No trendy philosophy can hide the terrifying nature of madness for both the sufferer and his relatives. Once I'd gotten over any impulse to be a do-gooder, I began to enjoy rehearsals. There was only one performance. Some relatives of the patients came, but the audience was mostly other patients. Before the performance started, a student radical came along. Here was a fellow who preached revolution and the equality of all, and this radical, let's call him Nick, started to sing into the microphone as patients filed in, and the song was about madness, they're coming to take me way, haha, to the funny farm. I had never felt such anger towards anyone in my life. The show was probably terrible. It was a curious, eccentric mixture of original songs, rock and roll, and Gilbert <laughs> and Sullivan. Yet afterwards, in the changing room, I felt exhilarated, as did the patients. It is a feeling I sometimes experience when I go backstage after one of my plays a mixture of giggling, hysteria, cockiness, and relief. Like the patients, I wanted to do another play, but we never did. Someone who saw the first production of complained that I was mocking the patients. Certainly, I didn't set out to do that. I also had no intention of adding to the modern cliche, people outside the asylum are more mad than those inside. But one thing I'm proud of is how the Shire members of the Trial by Jury cast blossomed, and gradually I lost any notion of me and them. Cozzy is faintly based upon that production as a mixture of autobiography, fiction, and my more recent experiences. This reading is part of the Not in Print podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please contact us via Facebook or Twitter. This reading was recorded in Sydney and produced by Currency Press with the generous assistance of Rachel Corbett.